Welcome to the Mike on Watch podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Max, this is the first podcast of 2017. We've, we made it, <laughs> to, we Janu- made it. <laughs> to January 4th, at least. Yeah. Uh, new year. New us. New us. New us. All new. You actually just played the uh, the Centennial Classic. The Centennial the big hockey classic. game. Yep. Explain what that is for maybe our non-hockey-loving friends. So the NHL has a tradition uh, that they started, I think, about five years ago, where they play a game outside, old school. This year they did it at BMO Field, which is where the Toronto FC play in Toronto, and it was the Maple Leafs versus the Red Wings, and they set up a a hockey rink in the middle of the stadium, and 40,000 people show up. In other years, though, it's been great. They've done it at Fenway Park. They did it in L.A. one year. I think they've also done it in Chicago. Uh, So it's kind of like a cool, inventive way to, to attract kind of maybe the more casual fan to watch hockey and, it, and everybody's sort of just like bumming around on new year's day everyone's just, and the game started at one o'clock or three o'clock it's like a huge deal i feel like in a lot of ways for sports in general it's like the nfl owns american thanksgiving yeah the nba owns christmas day yeah and now the nhl owns new year's day yeah like the centennial classic now the cool thing about Gander. That's what it's called. The centen- well, this year it's Centennial Classic. Oh, because it was 100 it's, years. It's, 100 it's called years. the Winter Classic. So it's usually called the Winter Classic. Yes. This is the Centennial Classic. I am a good Canadian. There you, there you go. Yeah. Now, speaking of good Canadians, though, the reason why it was very cool to play this the show, we kicked off the thing, and Brian Adams played the intermission, which was Ooh. really cool. Um, cuts like a knife. He, cuts, he played it, and it was awesome. But did, he? did he really? Yeah, he did. Yeah, first song. It was so good. What was the one you used to cover when we used to play with Run you? Run to you. Run to you. Yeah. I had to learn the second verse of Run to you. When yeah, we were playing and I you. never did because you, you were covering <laughs> it. Um, but uh, the cool thing about getting a, to be a part of this is that you get tickets to the game Ooh. after. And Lauren's dad, Brent, is a massive Toronto Maple Leafs fan. He still, he still plays hockey like three nights a week. <laughs> um, I just went to the family skate that happens every Christmas where uh-uh. his hockey team brings out all the, like the wife and kids and everybody does like a game of shinny together. Yeah. Um, and Brent is like the most Canadian guy ever. Like his father was an RCMP as an officer. His dad, his, his brother's like a, an RCMP officer. He's a crown attorney. He's like Mr. Canada. Yeah. And he was like a kid on Christmas. It was awesome. We brought him backstage uh, during our set before the show. And I like, Fed him a bunch of beer, and so he, he was getting. He had a good buzz on. And Lauren was like, "Stop it, Max." The game ended up being incredible. Did you Did you see what happened in the game? I yeah, I watched the highlights after. Yeah, so the first period, nothing really happened. Second period, a couple goals were scored, and then in the third period, the Leafs scored three straight goals, so they're up four one. And the the sun is down, and the lights are on, so it's like you're playing under the lights, which outside. is outside. Outside, it's playing like sports under the lights. There's kind of nothing, nothing like it. Yeah, and. Uh, then Detroit scores a goal, 4-2. Okay, four, and then they score another one, 4-3. So the, <laughs> everybody's getting really nervous. With one second left, Detroit ties the game, 4-4. Yeah. Goes into overtime. Now, overtime hockey, for anybody listening to hockey, they're like, yes, we know this. But I'm going to tell you because you probably don't know. Goes to three-on-three three, uh, hockey. I thought it's four-on-four. Four. No, I think it used to be four-on-four, four, and they're like, screw it. Wait a second, this is a new thing? I think in the last couple of years, it's three-on-three. Three. Man, yeah. Um, I've been too busy watching uh, Andrew Wiggins dunks. Yeah, no, it's three-on-three. Three-on-three hockey is incredible because there's literally a breakaway on every play. It's it's like, you know, when we play shiny hockey? And <laughs> when we play as if we've ever done it more than once. We did it once last week. <laughs> last week? We'll get to that story. Okay, so it's like it's everything's a breakaway. Every, the every, ice is wide open. There's literally like... Five straight breakaways from either team. And then Austin Matthews scores the game winner. And Austin Matthews is the golden child of Toronto now. I saw that you uh, wore an Austin Matthews t-shirt. Yeah, well, your brother uh, told me I had to wear it. 
because your brother loves hockey and also is sort of my fashion advisor. Right. And so he gave you the good advice. Yeah. It was I, cool because it was kind of like one of those funny knockoff t-shirts you'd get. Like, it looked like a, like a, like, it's like a print, like a kid's t-shirt. Yeah, it looked like a kid's t-shirt yeah. from 1984. Yeah, Even though it must have been printed in the last six months. Totally. Um, so I got a lot of compliments on that t-shirt too. That's good. I also, and just in defense of my brother who, like you said, is no, I was, your, your style guru. Yeah. No, no, no. This is, goes back to the Facebook live we recently did where you called him and Al messy roommates. Oh, oh yeah. They were none too pleased, Max. <laughs> well, what's all I heard about over the holidays is that we gave you a platform to besmirge their good names well, as roommates. I, I don't think Al cared about it. I, I think that you're underselling Al's anger. Really? They, they both feel that you are just as messy, if not more. Listen, I didn't say that I wasn't messy. I said I'm messy too. I'm just saying they're also messy. And and somebody has to be the alpha dog in the house. <laughs> to Honestly, to say we need to clean that up. Because yeah. if there's three guys who don't give a shit, which is actually the case. You'll be living in squalor. We'll be living in squalor. So somebody, like when I live with Jug and Julian, Jug was like the grumpy old guy who'd be like, clean up your shit. And, mm-hmm. I'm gl- and Jug's annoying for doing that, but I'm glad he did it. Someone has to play Someone that role. Someone has to do it. Um... Quickly back to the the, the classic, which yeah. I think a lot of people care about. When you're prepping or gearing up for a gig like that, is there anything like, do, do you have a sense of awe and appreciation for what hockey means in this country and for like your fans in particular who might be hockey fans? And It's a big gig, right? Yeah, it's totally a big gig. Okay, here's the thing is that whenever we go into anything like this, we're always asking a lot of questions to the, the people putting on the show, you know, what the stage is going to look like, where are we performing, what time is it? What are the camera angles going to look like? There's a lot of conversations that go into putting on a show, even if it looks totally simple, like just a band rocking out in a parking lot, which is ostensibly what it was because yep. it was like the pregame festivities. Um, and we were pretty confident that it would go well because the game was already sold out. Toronto is like a good market for us. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people watching on TV, but there's always some variables that you can't control, i.e., what if it's a terrible day? What if it's like, you know, minus 20 and gray skies out? Can't get your fingers working on you the You can't get your fingers, but not even that. I don't really care about that. It's more of a like, are we going to be playing to an empty parking lot? Oh. And is it going to look terrible on TV? So we had went in, we told the TV crew, it's like, worst case scenario, keep these shots like tight. Like, I don't want to see an inch of like concrete from the parking lot uh, on the screen whatsoever. And so, like, we were, we were playing, and let's, like, assume that it's going to be, you know, gray skies. Like, how are we going to make, like, are we, maybe there's colors we can wear to make the performance pop. Anyway, turns out that it was a, you, you couldn't ask for a better day on January 1st. It was, like, I think about one. It was one, wild. It was, it, yeah, it was, like, one degree. It was yeah. totally blue skies. People were in the best mood. The gates opened at 10. We ended up playing at about 1.30. Uh, it was packed. Uh, Wayne Gretzky opened for us, actually. What did he play? Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he played Cuts Like an Act. No, uh, he, uh, he did a Q&A on the stage where we were going to play. Holy shit. So, I, of course, I made a joke saying I'd like to thank Wayne Gretzky for opening for us today. And did Wayne like, know who you were? I don't think so. But it, <laughs> I don't know if he even stuck around for our performance. Yeah, everything kind of worked out. as well. Like, and, the, and I saw the, the playback on the TV, and like, it looked good. I mean, keep in mind, it is like a performance like outside with not a ton of production, but like, I was very happy with, with the way it all turned out. And uh, because in the States, the uh, Winter Classic is also shown on NBC, National TV in the States. We got some love on NBC, too. You got shown on NBC? Yeah. Yeah, so they did a whole like minute montage. So it was really cool. It, like, it checked off all the boxes we hope it would. Speaking of hot. Hockey, we played a game of shinny at Cops Coliseum, which is the big arena in Hamilton, Ontario. All the champagne boys who we talk a lot about on this podcast got together uh, with our girlfriends, wives, and we got out on the ice. There was like 20 of us. It was so cool. Uh, our friend Dan, he arranged the ice with, with Greg. They rented the ice time. 
And it was really fun because there's about, of the, how many of us were there? 14? Something like on that. On the ice. There's about like four or five guys who really had a lot of experience playing hockey. Four of our friends like know how to play hockey. And still play. Still play regularly. The rest of us have maybe skated three times in our yeah, lives. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, Molly and Cara played growing up. But yeah, the girls, anymore, yeah. And they are much better than the, the rest Skating of the circles around us. Yeah. But, uh... It was it was awesome. By the way, your competitive spirit really comes out when you're playing sports. It's like we were getting walled because we did the stick thing where everyone throws their sticks in and the sticks get divided randomly. And so we were left on like the much worse team. They got like four of the regular hockey players. Yeah, we, it was just randomly. like us and Dan basically leading yeah. the charge. But and they could have walloped us, but they were taking it really easy on easy on us. And at one point, we were down like three or four goals with like ten minutes to go. And you're like, we're down three. We can make this happen. We come back. It's like, <laughs> it was awesome. It's like, you won't stop. Yeah, uh, it was fun. It's I think what's fun about well, one, it's an awesome experience to play hockey in an arena. Yeah, like yeah, you, totally. You look around, you're like, holy shit, we're in an arena. We're skating around. We're not worthy of this. Yeah, uh, us specifically, you and I, and the other. Yeah, because uh, I can't players. stop. No, no. <laughs> I noticed that. Or go backwards. I know. At one point, I tried to hit you on a fast break, but I put the the puck just a little too ahead of you. Yeah, and I couldn't catch up. Yeah, but it, it's so fun, and it was such a great experience. Uh, I like what you said about. But when you're skating down the open ice, you feel like you're going a million miles an hour. Yeah. Like, like, you're yeah, going, the wind's flowing th- through your hair. You feel like Wayne Gretzky. You, yeah. And if anybody would actually film it, you do look like a guy who can barely skate. I do. I look back at like Danica's like film of it and you just look like, you know, Bambi out there in ice learning how to walk. <laughs> it's true. It's right. But anyway, I feel like uh, it was a good holiday season and uh, I hope you know what? We were partying so much this holiday. It's hard to stop partying, you know, because because I haven't really been going out much like this year because we've been so busy yeah. with the band. But then starting from like December 23rd and with the Jared Diggs annual Christmas charity concert that I play into the new year, it's like every night of the week there's something going on. You haven't stopped. And I have the bug now. <laughs> you got a fever. I got a fever. <laughs> but I got I to gotta stop that because there's work to be done, you know? All right, Max. Well, for the first uh, podcast of 2017, we have a big guest. Yes, yes, yes. Um, much like Wayne Gretzky, another very accomplished Canadian. Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel. I mean, he's been sort of a part of our, I think, the fabric of entertainment uh, for our lives. Yeah, because he was on Bobby's World. Yeah, that was his show. I mean, I watched that show a lot. We grew up with Bobby's World. That was like, that was the shit. Yeah, he definitely, like, it's funny because he's a comedian, I I guess, technically, but he's more of like a personality than a. Yeah, he's. he's I know he does stand up, but but I don't think of him as a stand up. I know. Well, I think his, like, heyday of stand up was like the 80s. He used to put a glove over his head and then, like, blow it up and it would look like a chicken rooster. Like, he did kind of like physical comedy, Uh like, in that sense. Irreverent, kind of, uh, you know, it really did blow up, though. It ended up getting him a gig on this. Uh, sort of hospital soap opera called St. Elsewhere. Yeah. Him and a young Denzel Washington oh, uh, were crazy. on this show. It was like an ensemble. But uh, that ends up going into the cartoon Bobby's World in the 90s. And then there's kind of like a, a lull where Howie's not a part of our lives. And then he comes roaring back with, uh, is it Let's Make a Deal? Or is it Deal or No Deal? One of those. It's Deal or No Deal. Okay. And it's like all of a sudden he's around all the time. And then obviously that ends up transitioning into the new show. X Factor? Nope. America's Got Talent. Okay. But you were close. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons he was at the 299 building with Bell is because Howie's made it a big part of his story to sort of like share his experiences with um, mental health and to try and remove the stigma uh, that is spread awareness about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the idea of, of talking. And that's a huge thing with, you know, obviously the people that uh, help put this podcast on uh, Bell Media and Bell in general have a huge initiative called Bell Let's Talk. And his son was there, right? His son was with him. What was the point of that? I think his son wanted to sort of contextualize what it was like growing up with a father who had some of how his issues with, you know, OCD and then like his concerns with germs. And then the toll it might take on a family and how, 
even even if one person is suffering through mental health issues, you know, if, if it can affect everybody in your life and, and how and how you deal with it as a as a family and as a team together. And how important it is to talk about those things. Yeah. Because even his son was saying they didn't talk about it. You know, it wasn't until later and then how he felt comfortable talking about it and sort of, you know, he tells a story about how he was on Stern and they he wouldn't touch the doorknob and they sort of made a big thing about it and then he was sort of really freaked out uh, about, oh, everyone's going to know that I have this sort of, you know, affliction. But then it became a huge part of his story and he decided to own it and he's talked about it ever since. And I think it's that's made it, you know, a more healthy experience for him and other people that might be suffering from the same things. You know, I know there's a lot of work to go when it comes to this subject, but I was just listening to... Uh, Bruce Springsteen podcast. He was just on WTF. Yeah, I started really, it. Really good. And most of the episode, he's just sort of talking about his father's mental health issues, his depression, and how for a long time it just wasn't talked about. And you think about, you know, past generations and, you know, the, that our parents would have grown up 60s, 70s, 80s. It was just like something that people didn't really know what to make of or just wasn't discussed. So it's, it's, a, it's really great, I think, to see people like who have a profile on a platform, Harry Mandel or Bruce Springsteen, talking about you know, what they've learned from, from living a life where people weren't talking about things and how things could get better when they sought real treatment. And I think that's sort of the goal of Bell Let's Talk. And I think just talking about any of these things in general, because it does help remove the stigma the more we talk about it. How he likes to say that, you know, if you're going to leave the office at three in the afternoon to go to a dentist appointment for an hour, nobody's going to bat an eye. But if you need to leave and go to your therapist, he's like, they might not say anything, but there might be some people in your office that maybe go, oh, you know, they kind of make a little mental note. You, we need to remove the fact that going to get your mental health checked up is no different than your teeth or anything in maintaining these things. It was a checkup from the head up. There you have it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Bell, let's talk. It's January 25th. Now, here's the question. Uh, New Year, New Year's resolution. When you think about just your personal sort of well-being and growth, are there things that, you know, just because it's the New Year that you think, okay, these are these are steps I can take, you know, just to be a better, the best version of myself I can be, are there things you've uh, been able to sort of identify in yourself that, you know, probably could use more tending to? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think that we all sort of, it's interesting that we wait until January 1st to reflect on those things <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's something that you want to sort of have a mental upkeep throughout the year. And it's almost like, but you know, we always have markers and new beginnings and there's ways to do it, but absolutely. I have a, a list a mile long. I do. Yeah. I definitely find that the older I get, the more conscious I am of it. I've been able to contextualize and understand when I'm stressed out, what the cause of that is and what the root of that is and how you can amend it. How, how you can, can amend it. Yeah. And there are a lot of things I find just, uh, have to do with, at least for me personally is like getting a good night's sleep and a good diet, like those two things are such a great place to start. Because as soon as, when you're not getting sleep and you're eating like shit, then your your body just physically isn't able to to cope with a lot of things thrown at you. Like I can't even have a conversation with somebody if I'm like tired or a little bit hungover or like, or just ate up like six Big Macs or something like that. Like, oh, just don't bother yeah. me right now. I, you know, my, my head's not on straight. So if your issues or the things that you're struggling with need more than just talking to a friend, which is a great place to start. It's like there's professional help and there's all sorts of avenues. And it's, I think the goal is ultimately, it's like, don't be afraid to speak up, you yeah. know, share. Uh, and there's lots of places where you can, and there's people you can call. And I think that's the whole, the whole point of the initiatives is to not feel guilty or like you're going to be judged. And uh -huh. I think the more people talk about these things, the less the, the judgment uh, becomes. Yeah, because it just becomes a thing that, you. oh, yeah, you're doing, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to the dentist. It oh, becomes I'm, common. I'm going to go see my guy. I have a, a few friends that have, that have seen 
counselors or therapists for like a decade at this point. And it's very normal to them. And, and I find that so inspiring to see that like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go see my, my social worker. I'm going to see my therapist. I just, I just have to go talk to them. And it's like, Oh, good. Go for it. And it's, and it's so it's great when you see, basically my point is when you see somebody dive into that world, yeah. and I'm sure the first six months they were doing that, it was scary or they felt weird about it. But when, when you see someone dive into it and there were, and there are results and they feel good about it and it's made a really positive difference in their life. Uh, I just find that to be so inspiring. Absolutely. You want to get to Harry Mandel? Let's do it. All right. I wanted to talk about how there's been progress over generations, sort of in the understanding and acceptance of mental health issues. Growing up, can you talk about, you know, your parents and their emotional disposition and general attitude towards mental health? Like, was there conversations then? No. No conversation whatsoever. Though... Uh, you know, I come from an incredibly stable, loving, nurturing family who, uh, you know, I don't come from a time, I'm in my 60s, so my time, they didn't talk about it, but they loved me and nurtured me and supported me and, uh, you know, were okay with me using 30 towels every time I showered, were okay with the, you know, the the five showers a day. They loved me. I was. But they recognized there was something unconventional or unusual about it. Like was I think uh, nobody used those words and nobody used any words. It's just Howie, you know. That's I was just myself, and that's how it was for years and years and years until I was in my forties, you know. And I'm sitting here today with my son, who would tell you the same thing that that was just our norm. So not until the last like twenty years did I start talking about it or even delineating that this is not. Well, the norm is to have issues, but to talk about issues was not the norm. To have it out in the open. Right. And feel comfortable discussing those things. Right. And I guess, Alex, growing up in your home with Howie, is that something that was discussed a lot? Is it something that was acknowledged? Not, uh, not at first at all. And what he would say is the same thing. Is it, was, it was normal to me. That's how, you know, I was, when I was young, this, everything that he was doing and the differences and the things, the way he would teach me to do things and to not touch certain things, mm. that was very normal. It wasn't till I was older and in school and other people were telling me, my friends were telling me that things were not normal, that, that this is not the way that they were taught or anything like that. They were telling me that my dad was quote unquote crazy and th this was just a, a different thing. So that's when it started to, I started to realize that maybe other people aren't they weren't raised the same way I was, and it wasn't like that. But um, it wasn't until I was a little bit older that we actually started talking about it until, uh, and, and, and I was dealing with my own things as well with uh, ADD and anxiety and problems in school and things like that. And that's when not only did I learn to start to cope with his and he started talking about it, but I learned to talk uh, as well. When you mention that, you know, your friends are like, oh, you know, your dad is quote unquote crazy. Is yeah. that something you go home and go, hey, what's the deal with what I'm hearing? Or is that something you sort of eat and don't say anything about? Um, I didn't really say anything about it. It was just kind of, I didn't really know how to, how to deal with that or why my friends or their parents were saying that my dad was crazy. I, this was, I, I mean, he was totally fine to me. This is what I was raised with. This is what I know. But, um, I don't think I ever went home and told you. I mean, we, we, we started to, but not really. Were you aware that maybe he was dealing with people saying those things? No, no, because I didn't think I was so 
in my own little insular world, you know, uh, battling, you know, survival, my own personal survival in as far as, you know, making sure that not only did I not, you know, that, which is a small part of it, but touch anything with germs that nobody, you know, part of the, as a father uh, with a young boy potty training him, sure. part of the normal curriculum was not only do I teach how to go in the potty, but without touching anything, <laughs> without touching in a public restroom. He's like, a, he, I, right now, I bet you, that, Alex, I'm not saying this because you're here and because I'm <laughs> proud of you, that I think that if Cirque du Soleil, if anybody was casting Cirque du Soleil, if they met you right, they'd cast you right now. Because he can do things with his foot and elbow <laughs> that nobody, and that's just the way he was trained and didn't know that that was... Uh, Peculiar or unconventional? No, and it was just healthy. So I didn't think about that, you know? I just thought about how do I keep him healthy? How do I keep me healthy? How do I, this is what I'm going to do. And I also looked at the rest of the world, like how can you pick something up? You know, we all heard the five second rule. Definitely. How can you pick something up from the ground and eat it? And why do you think that whatever's going to get on it waits five seconds? What piece of bacteria is counting, you know, going, I'm about to glom onto that. Give me one, two, three. <laughs> they picked it up. I didn't get onto that. You know, so I always thought the other way was crazy yeah you know until i went and saw sought therapy forced to because the people around me uh, were under too much pressure to live a life that they couldn't live up to my wife and my kids and i was asking a lot of people by those sort of uh, impossible standards it's hard enough to potty train a kid try to potty train a kid <laughs> with no hands yeah you know and in, um in addition to television you do something like 200 shows a year mm -hmm. live Live, yeah. How is the, like, the desire to work and sort of perform related, do you think, to your OCD diagnosis? Well, I love what I do. You know, the, out of all the different things I do, stand-up comedy is my favorite. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's live. There are no marks to hit, no lines to recite, no uh, editing to be done. So that is the closest to being in the moment that I can be. There's no other thought. Whatever is coming out, a big part of it is improvisational. So that moment, that is, is right there and exists, and I don't have to think or be concerned about what happened, what's going to happen. It's the clearest I can be in the now, number one. Number two, it's so immediate. I'm out there in front of people that I end up doing television for, producing for, writing for, and unless you're in front of those people and getting a sense of who they are and how they react, I don't think you know. I think you can live in a bubble in L.A. or even Toronto or New York and think, oh, this is how people, this is what they'll like. Well, you know what? That's not the world, and this is not what they'll like, and I'm out there in the world each and every day, or each and every week at least. Mm -hmm. When it comes to showbiz, you now have YouTube channels blowing up. You've yeah. done work with Howie. How do you find... Like, does the Mandel name, like, does it help? Does it hurt? How do you find it's affected sort of your ability to do work and go forward and make a name for yourself? I mean, it definitely helped. Uh, I started doing TV, and of course that helped a lot. Uh, it would help me. I mean, anything you could do to get in the door is really what, what you have to do. In, as long as you don't touch the doorknob. As long as you don't touch the doorknob. <laughs> but I think for YouTube, one thing that I'm also loving about it, it's not that I'm trying to get away from that name, and I love any opportunity I have to, that we can work together is, is great. But one thing that I love on YouTube is because it's such a worldwide audience, they, they know him and stuff like that, but I, you know, I've done collaborations through other YouTubers and that's how people find me. And then I'll, I'll do a family dinner and a lot of comments come in. They go, I had no idea that was your dad and stuff like that. And it was, you know, I do need to somehow find 
feel like I've found my own identity on there as well, and that's mm -hmm. and he definitely fun. has. You know, the truth of the matter is, I I questioned it for a long time. I yeah. did not understand um, his business. I didn't understand um, what he was doing. I knew he was being creative, but I thought. I'll be totally honest with you. I thought he was just wasting his time and not having fun. I had no idea what was involved in what he was doing because I did see the downside of it. I saw that, you know, he would get in trouble legally. You know, we would be barred from restaurants and malls because he stopped an escalator, you know. And if you go check it out on YouTube, Alex Mandel's escalator prank, uh, you will you will see it. It's got over a million hits and I didn't even realize how you get paid and how you make money and how this is even a job. I saw him being offered jobs from people that I knew because they were aware of what he'd been doing and him turning down contracts and jobs and a, and a position. Mm -hmm. And I go, what are you doing? So you can go you know, drop a water balloon from the top of a building and put it on YouTube? Like, why is that even a job? What I did learn is my job's going away that is the way of the future. And digital, and I'm sitting here on a podcast telling you that. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't know what a podcast when you're not doing radio. I would think if, if he was doing something like that. So he's kind of t taking me and teaching me. And my name does not really, you know, hold any weight in the digital world. In that world. At, at all. Because there's so no gatekeeper. So he's not really using me. And he's not really, he's, he, whatever success he has, and it's a tremendous amount of success, he makes far more money than I ever made at his age. And I was on a series at his <laughs> age. I was on yeah. St. Elsewhere at his age. Um, it has nothing to do with him being a Mandel. So to that end, I'm incredibly proud of what he's doing. I understand. And I know who he is. And that's what was kind of uh, a little frustrating for me because he's really smart and really creative and really adept. And I thought, oh, you're wasting your time making these crazy home movies that are getting you thrown out of the mall. Yeah. Little did I know that it's worth a really big paycheck and he is not only making that money on himself, but what you don't know is he's revered in that world and a lot of his work and a lot of what he makes is behind the scenes with some of the biggest people that are on YouTube. Yeah. I guess I just wanted to finish with sort of back to the mental health issue. How far do you think we've come in sort of ending the stigma uh, surrounding mental health and how far do you think we have to go? I don't think we're even close. Um, I think that we have opened that can and now we got to dump out all the worms because, uh, you know, the fact that here in Canada we have this campaign and there are campaigns that exist in other parts of the world, but the truth is that, you know, most people in most of middle North America and I'm sure through Europe um, are embarrassed by uh, mental weakness the ability to be able to, you know, whether you're smoking, you're drinking, you're, you know, they're self-medicating, whatever it takes and how you're hurting yourself to kind of get through a day, those are all mental health issues. And if we could just be open about it and take care of it the way we take care of our dental health, I think this would be a better world. Thanks for your time, guys. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Welcome to the dessert. This is the first dessert of 2017. Shane, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Well, exciting news. But I did walk in on uh, 
halfway through mental health episode. Yeah, I didn't know this true. was the one. You guys, like, I'm the number one mental health guy. <laughs> you didn't include me. You thought I'd make a joke of it, right? No, no. I, we, we didn't mean to get on that tangent, actually. Okay. Uh, it was just because we were talking about Howie Mandel. And he okay. spoke most uh, primarily in his interview about mental health. But yeah, if, you want, if you have something to say, jump in. Well, it's just, um, just what you were saying about sleep deprivation and everything. Yeah. I totally agree with what you were saying. I actually just got a Fitbit oh, good. to monitor my sleep. But there was a period in my life where I lost so much sleep that I had to go to a doctor and I was I was kind of like losing my mind. And the doctor diagnosed me, no joke, with schizophrenia. What? Wow. He because I was so out of it from lack of sleep. This was in the period when I like there was a period in my life where I thought if I tried every drug, it'd make me very creative. And then Steve <laughs> Jobs, there was this quote going around on Facebook or something that said, he tried acid and it made him want to invent Apple or without it or something. So it was like, I want to invent like Apple. a million dollar company, billion dollar company. <laughs> I like how when we read things, we just pluck what we want to hear. It's like <laughs> Steve Jobs did acid and he became a billionaire. It's like, <laughs> it's like, remember that time you read about the guy from Kiss? He went on a candy bar diet or cake diet and oh. you're eating like candy bars. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Stanley said he's like only ate like cake and candy for a year and he would never been more fit. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't say that, but I, that, I plucked what I wanted from that quote. There's also like probably like a lot of like a heroin and yeah, other drugs. Yeah. And he's like, interested and like remember to eat something that wasn't heroin, it happened to be candy. But yeah. It seemed to work for you, though. I, like, it was a good year. Yeah. I probably got dumped or something, too, so I was, like, not <laughs> eating properly. But um, so I took uh, acid once in my life. And just for anyone out there who's maybe uh, has mental health problems or whatever and is thinking about taking it or sleep deprivation or anything, do not ever take acid. Because if you're an inward thinker, it screws you up so bad and the when I went to the doctor after I took it, I hadn't slept in three days straight. Oh, God. They prescribed me with a thing called Seroquel, which knocked me out for 48 hours straight. And then it took me four months to get back on Knocked track you for from 48 there. hours? It's like I woke clinically up, dead. Yeah, luckily at the time I wasn't in, in school or had a normal job. That was a I, bad four months. I remember you during that period. Yeah. I got a, a condition called depersonalization, which is a crazy thing where everything feels surreal. But, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, don't, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. That was the main thing I wanted to uh, touch on for a second. Do you have any New Year's resolutions for, uh, you know, how to maintain a healthy lifestyle? Um, sleep? Just sleep. Like what you were saying. I walked in just as you were saying sleep and diet. So true. I got my first seven-hour sleep probably in a month and a half. Oh, my God. Last night. And luckily, I have a wife who gives me like a 20-minute massage now. Every single night, so I can sleep. And what? I to, Hold and on a I, second. I have to meditate every night. Yeah. Well, I get the meditate machine massages you for twenty minutes because it's been like tearing me apart, not sleeping. Oh wow, that's very nice of her, man. If I don't get like you haven't got seven hours in a month and a half, I'm the, and I'm like you when you were saying you can't talk or think or do anything. If I'm mildly hungover, haven't slept, it's so hard for me to function, and I get irritable. Yeah. If I if I don't get like eight hours, wow. Yeah. I, like, like, yeah. I probably average since I've moved back to Hamilton commute five to six tops. Here's a question. You guys both have to commute in. Is it worth it? Like, like I know, because like, there's a trade-off for you two. I think but you guys having to get on that go bus every morning. Like, where are you guys at now with, with that? Well, I think Shane is adjusted. I don't know if you're being more responsible, but I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm still in the thing where I don't want to sacrifice. So, like, let's say, like, I get home at 8 o'clock. 
if I want to get an eight hour sleep with the turnaround, it's like I should probably go to bed within about an hour and a half, right? Yeah. Really, if I want to get a real yeah. sleep. But stubbornly, I'm like, no, I'm not going to alter my life. I'm going to watch a movie and then I'm going to stay up and I'm going to like, you know, like I want to live my life. So I'll stay up till midnight. And then it's like, I'm not sleeping till like 1231. And then I'm up at six to go to get on the train. So it's like, until I fully adjust to like, oh, yes, you get home at eight, you go to sleep at 10. And that's what you need to do. I'm still sort of stubbornly not acquiescing to that. But I think in the new year, that will be a goal for mine. Because I think you've adjusted pretty well. Just in the last month, like I, I used to be like you going to bed, getting into bed, maybe 12, 1231, finishing the movie. Now at 1030, I kind of have like a little alarm that goes off that says it's getting in the danger zone, be in bed by 11, get the 20 minute massage, <laughs> put on the meditation. Yeah. And then fall asleep to relaxing music. And I stopped falling asleep to anything with chatter because the chatter was waking me up and permeating into my, my thoughts. Your brain still active. And then I would wake up and I was essentially having a conversation all night. Whereas with the music, I'm just asleep. Do you use headspace meditation? I do. Yeah. Yes. The nice British guy just telling you it's going to be okay. Yeah. I find it very hard to do, but. Yeah, me too. I find it hard, but I feel like it's a. He, you know, it's a good um, example of how you just need to be reminded over because mm-hmm. with this app, it's called Headspace. It's basically ten minute or fifteen minute meditation, and there's a British guy who's like walking you through it. So it's like he's like, okay, now think about your breath and think about your your breath going from the top of your head all the way down. And it's basically the same thing every day, but he says little things that remind you, like, okay, remember to do this over the course of a day. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm glad he told me that. Being reminded is very important. I really like the animations. Oh, the animations are very good. You're watching the cars drive by. You're just an observer. Yeah, Yeah, it's really. And I like how it's not about removing your thoughts because at first I thought that's what meditation is, where it's like just being okay with them. Yeah, it's just letting your mind go, and it's really helped me have restful sleeps. I recommend it. It's a free for the first like ten episodes, and then there's a you can sign up for a subscription. But it's uh, how much is a subscription? I just finished my first ten. I think it's like I think it's like ten bucks a month kind of thing. I'll do so, it. Yeah, it's it's, it's totally worth it. Like I, I signed up for it just because it's like hey, you know you, don't put a price on your mental mm-hmm. health. So. Don't put a price on your mental health. Yeah. is um I think a good thought. Yeah, to part with that. Shane, what's been going on in your life? Um, well. Just to talk about the Frank D'Angelo thing. It's a Sega now. People are calling it a Sega. I just, a saga. Bought, I just bought a Sega. Oh. Saga. Saga. Yeah, you called it a Sega yeah. just now. Sorry. <laughs> 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 the Sega of Frank D'Angelo. Sega. Okay. But I'm going to put it uh, like, you know when a band says we're not breaking up, but going on hiatus? Yeah. I think the Frank thing has to go on hiatus. Why? The animation, it's been drawn. The sketch. Jenna did the sketch. How much does that cost? <laughs> I may have to give her, uh, I may have to refund you guys because honestly, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Because I honestly, truthfully think Frank doesn't respect us as a podcast. I think he, he when he first thought it was a much music interview, which uh-huh. is what I kind of framed it as, which it's the mic on much thing. It is an interview. Yeah. He thought it was going to be broadcast and reach the masses. He probably went on Instagram or something and saw that we don't have enough followers or whatever to be worthy of it. Yeah. Plus with my disparaging comments, those two things added, I think one or the other, if we had or did not have, could have had it. But Do I need to put in a call? You may need a personal <laughs> call from you, honestly. What shifted your thinking on this? Has he just gone completely quiet? Dead quiet, dead silent. But it is the holidays, but I don't know. He he's, has a, been- he's a workaholic. He only sleeps three hours a night, man. Exactly. He and Obama. 
So as far as Frank is concerned, do we do we put him on hiatus until there's a definitive answer? Well, I have a plan. Oh. Because I my plan. <laughs> the saga continues. <laughs> saga. <laughs> <laughs> my plan is to get us 18,000 Instagram followers. <laughs> uh, do we just post pictures of your wife in a bikini? <laughs> <laughs> Giving him massages? <laughs> yeah. Um, but because I'm going on a Hawaii trip. Yeah, this uh, is big news. I, I didn't know if, well, we've talked about it on Facebook yeah. Live. Shane is going with Sailor Jerry's mm-hmm. and the Sailor Jerry's ambassador to Hawaii. And I get to, t- yes, and it's an amazing opportunity, but I've been researching ways to get popular online <laughs> because we could effectively steal because I get to take over the Much Music sh- social accounts. That, that's true. For Mike on Much. Shane's going for Mike on Much. Yeah. He will be running the Much social accounts. The, the Facebook, the Snapchat, the Instagram. And they're kind of giving me free reign. Uh-oh. So I want to take that opportunity to lure at least 18,000 people. It's kind of like... <laughs> Where did you go with it for 18,000? Do you think that'd be the magic number to make Frank respect us? I do. I like 18,000 followers. And it's kind of like uh, <laughs> shoot for the moon. Even if you miss it, you'll land among the stars. Oh. You know that popular thing? So even if we get like a couple more thousand, but I do want 18 grand's worth. Yeah. And so that would be phenomenal. I'm I fl- take it. How many? You have about 18,000 on our Kells, right? Maybe on more. Instagram? You might Maybe be like 30. 36 or something. Oh, shit. Double that. I'd be Twice. happy with 1,800. <laughs> Me too. First class, I looked up on YouTube. First class little, um, if you're on a plane and you do a little tutorial on what it's like to fly first class, all of them have at least 100,000 views. I'm flying first class. They put trip. you up in first class? They did. That's amazing. You're living, brother. I know. It's direct insane. flight or is it you have to stop somewhere? You can't do a direct flight to Hawaii. Oh, okay. So I think because of the length, they, you, because it's an, I've flown to Hawaii, not first class. It's a very hard experience to be on a plane that long. So it's a four hour flight. People <laughs> do it all the time. Listen, yeah. I've flown to Hawaii before. It is a nightmare. <laughs> Trust me, brother. I was on acid at the time. It was not fun. <laughs> I didn't work for four months afterwards. But, oh, um, so that, that alone, giving the little tour, I think will get people interested, get a lot of views. I love it. 100,000. And I'm going to let the audience decide what my tattoo is. So that could generate excitement. And also... Shane will be getting a tattoo in Hawaii as part of his experience down there with Sailor Jerry's. You, the listeners or viewers, will get to decide what Shane gets tattooed. Do you think we should give them a... Should we discuss this off air? I don't give a shit, Mike. Here's, what, here's my reasoning why I don't give a shit. I don't care about the people listening right now. All I want to do is lure people who don't know Mike on much from a hole in the ground. So these people are useless. They're already, they've drank the Kool-Aid. The people that are listening right now. Yeah. They're not useless, useless to me, listeners. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to lose people. But <laughs> what I'm saying is. But they're useless. This plan, they can hear this all the live long day. Totally. So here's my yeah. question, though. This is for, for your sort of, from your point of view. Will we give a multiple choice? Like, here are the five tattoo options. Here's the plan, actually. It, this is kind of an informative thing, too. Sailor Jerry's uh, rum bottles. People don't know this. Each label is peel offable. And on the back, it has a unique tattoo design. Mm. So I'll line up three bottles, mm. and I'll write ABC. They pick the bottle, and then I'll peel it off so I won't even know what I'm putting. And then I'll, I'll let them decide where I get it. Whoa. And I'll give them three options. So, like, forehead wouldn't be one of them? For, no, I wouldn't do forehead. Right. But, uh, yeah, maybe neck. Inside the lip? No, no, not inside the lip. I give them three up op- because you don't know. do it on your neck. Just no, your I arm. wouldn't. I'm kidding, yeah. Max. Okay, or chest. Not that there's anything wrong with neck tattoos. No, no, no there are. 
<laughs> there are lots of things wrong with my tattoos. <laughs> oh, and then I wanted to bring the Mike on Much cardboard. The, our sign yeah. from the big just the put jingle it in ball. various locations and do like a cool little edit. Love it. Yeah, that one probably won't go very viral, but it's just more of a cool. Well, thing to if do. you get, maybe we could, maybe you could get like um, like hot women and men like ringside announcers to be holding it in cool places. Yes, that's like, a good idea. We could look up a modeling agency in Hawaii and maybe pay some people to like yeah. do something funny with the sign, and then people will just tune in if uh, you know it's compelling enough visually. Exactly, that's a good idea. Are there any celebs that live in Hawaii? Well, the last time I was there, I had uh, DMX was staying at my He hotel. said celebs. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, this was like 10 years ago. It was pretty big. But yeah, uh, celebs who live in Hawaii. There's a couple. I can't think of any right now. But yeah. if I do, I'll track them down and get them to Good. Thank well, you. Small yeah. Island. <laughs> These are great ideas. We yeah. actually have to brainstorm more. Maxie. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that off, off mic. And then I'm going to be interviewing the Sailor Jerry's uh, Canadian ambassador, Aaron. What's his last name? Thomas. Aaron Thomas. And what makes him the... You know what? A part of me is hesitant to get too into this because we're going to have a whole episode about Hawaii with Shane talking to Aaron from Hawaii. And, like, maybe we'll set up in the beginning. Okay. Well, that's all I got to talk about. Seen any movies lately? There's a lot of movies. Give give us one movie review and we'll get out. Jeez. Uh, You see La La Land yet? I'm seeing it today in, like, a couple hours. Good. I'm talking about it in the next pod. Okay, good. Go for it. You seen it? I did. Did you like it? I did. Okay. Did you see Fences? Denzel. I've seen Fences. Good. Yeah, heard the acting was phenomenal. Very he directed good. it too. Yeah, yeah. very good. What I it was like half an hour too long, but it was good. Our pop culture vision was sweating over there because he didn't see anything. <laughs> well, all I've been doing is playing video games lately. Sega, <laughs> I, I bought a Sega. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Just did, end did on you, that. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's our episode. First one of 2017. First one. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please subscribe uh, to the show on iTunes. Leave a comment in the ratings. Tell your friends about it. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Mike on Much. All the artwork's done by Jenna Gregory. You can find yourself at jennasdoodles.com. We're looking forward to a great year here at the Mike on Much podcast. Thank you for your support. Shane's going to Hawaii. We're going to have lots of great guests in the new year. See you next week. If we don't die on the weekend. Aloha. Aloha.